Well, good morning and welcome to this Wednesday mid-week service. I want to begin by answering a question that was emailed to me. Um, kind of a statement, I guess, that was emailed to me about my prayers and, and how I'm so passionate and how I'm loud and and how sometimes it sounds like I command God. So let me begin by asking you to turn your Bibles to James chapter 5, verse 16. And let me give you my definition of James 5 and 16. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of the righteous and i i know it says man i'm saying mankind i'm it, it makes tremendous power available dynamic in its working prayer is fellowshipping with the father it's a vital personal contact with god was more than enough. So we are to be in constant communion with our Heavenly Father and having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Those who are upright and in right standing with God. And his ears are attentive or open to their prayer. So prayer is not to be religious form with no power. It is to be effective and accurate and bring results. So God watches over his word to perform it. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12, prayer that brings results must be based on God's words. Now, many people <coughs> are humble in their prayer. Many people are spiritual in their prayers. And the Bible says, for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit, and of the joints and the marrow that is of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing the sifting and the analyzing and the judging, the very thoughts and the purpose of the heart. That's in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. So when you ask me why I'm so passionate, why I get loud. For me, prayer is the living word in our mouths, in our hearts, in our souls. And our mouths must speak forth faith. For faith is what pleases God. Amen. And that's in Hebrews 11 and 6. We hold his word up to him, not commanding him. We hold his word up to him in prayer, and our Father sees himself in his word. Amen? God's word is our contact with him. 
we put him in re remembrance of his word, Isaiah 43, 26, placing a demand on his ability, not, not commanding him, but placing a demand on his ability in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We remind him that he supplies all our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, who we are co-heirs with in Philippians 4 and 19. That word does not return to him void without producing any effect, useless, but it shall accomplish that which he pleases and the purposes, and it shall prosper in the thing for which he sent it. Isaiah 55, verse 11. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God did not leave us without his thoughts <coughs> and his ways, for we have his word. He left us with his word of his word, his bond, if you will. God instructs us to call him, and he will answer and show us great, listen, great and mighty things. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. So prayer, listen, prayer is to be exciting, not drudgery. It takes someone to pray. God moves as we pray in faith, intercessory prayer, in faith, believing. He says that his eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are blameless towards him. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. We are blameless. Ephesians 1 and 4. We are his very own children. Ephesians 1 and 5. We are his righteousness in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's why we intercede on behalf of others. It is the appropriate and well-timed help in Hebrews 4 and 16. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The prayer armor is for the every believer, every member of the body of Christ who will put it on and walk in it. For the weapons of our warfare and are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of the strongholds of the enemy, Satan, the God of this world, and all his dynamic forces. Spiritual warfare takes place in prayer, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, and again in Ephesians 6 and 12 and 18. So there are many different kinds of prayer, such as the prayer of thanksgiving and the prayer of praise, the prayer of dedication of worship. The prayer that changes things, not God. All prayer involves time and fellowshipping with the Father. In, in Ephesians 6, we are instructed to take up the sword of the Spirit. Listen to what it says. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and treating. Ephesians 6.18 in 1 Timothy 2, we are abonished and urged that petitions of prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be offered on behalf of all mankind. In 1 Timothy 2 and 1, prayer is our responsibility. I hope that answered the question.
So I was born of flesh. Then I met Jesus Christ. I repented of my sins. I was baptized. For the remission of my sins. In Jesus' name. I was reborn. Resurrected a new creation. In Jesus Christ. But then. Then. I was reborn. In the spirit. And the flames of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you ask why I'm passionate? I'm passionate because he took that darkened, dead heart out of me. And he put in a spirit-filled heart. That I could go to the highest mountain and shout hallelujah. Glory to be. I worship and I serve the God on high. So I hope that that answers your question why I'm so passionate for God. If I could climb the highest peak to the lowest valley and I could shout that I serve a most high God, I would do that in an instant. Praise Jesus. I serve the miracle maker. He who created this earth, this universe. In Matthew 16, verse 18 through 19, and I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, on this Petra, I will build my church. On this revelation, I will build my church, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind upon this earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose upon this earth shall be loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let us bind Bind the love of God, that it be loosed in heaven. I want to talk about principle 12. We're far approaching the end of this series, but I want to get this in. The surviving of a, sh of a shipwreck, and we've all had shipwrecks in our lifetime. But let's go to Acts chapter 27, verse 9 through 15. Acts 27, 9 through 15. As you go there, I'm going to grab a quick drink of water. Acts 27, 9 through 15. I will report to you that Sister Romy has been moved to Sedona to a re, uh, rehabilitation center. We won't get any news until probably next Monday or so on what the situation is with her. Uh, Sister uh, Judy's Aunt, uh, Aunt Marie is doing much, much better. They replaced her hip. We thank you for all your prayers. At her age, to replace a hip and have her up walking around in, in one day is truly a miracle. We thank you for all your prayers. Uh, we haven't heard on April, um, but we hope to hear something soon. Now, when much time was spent, Acts 27, verse 9, and when sailing was not now dangerous, because the fast was now already past, Paul abomished them. And he said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the landing of the ship, laden, excuse me, lading of the ship, but also of our lives. 
Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Venice and there to winter, which is an haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But long after, there arose against it a tremendous wind called Euclidon. And when the ship was caught and, co and could not bear up in the wind, we let her drive. Now, Paul had previously been in three shipwrecks in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, around the time of Acts 20. No, de do yeah, no details whatsoever are given about those events. Why is such detail given here? Why would Luke devote such a long section of Acts to this description of the shipwreck? First, the natural, and then the spiritual. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46, there is a, a spiritual lesson that we can glean from this time. Paul was finally on his way to Rome. Although he had never expected to go as a prisoner, they set out from uh, Cacera and began to sail along the coast of the Mediterranean. However, the voyage, voyage became difficult because the strong winds they transferred to a large grain ship from Egypt. But strong winds, again, hindered it, took them many days to travel, just 130 miles. Finally, they struggled into the port known as Fair Havens on the south side of the island of Crete. It is here that the centurions made his um, faithful decision to continue the journey. Now, the word of God is filled with tragic record of men and women who began well but failed to survive spiritually. And the spirit of the Lord came on Samson, but he squandered most of his life in, in, uh, sensually. God chose Saul to be Israel's first king, but had to cast him aside when pride ruined him. Solomon prayed for divine wisdom in his youth, but tolerated pagan evils in his old age. At one time, Judas was an apostle. Even Paul said, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that at by any means when I have preached to others, myself should be cast away. 1 Corinthians 9 and 27. Storms you could not dream of may have come into your life or your family or even into the church that you attended. Sooner or later, you will be tested. That's the nature of the life. That's the nature of the voyage. And sometimes through the error of others, through no fault of your own, you can become shipwrecked along life's journey. It's even possible for your church problems to end up ship, shipwrecking you. In Matthew 24, verse 10 through 13, Matthew 24, 10 through 13, and then 
shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now we've seen that in Gospel of Faith Church throughout the years. Many came professing to be Christian, professing to pastor, be leaders, and cause the church to fail. The church is built on those children of God who know how to survive the storms of life, even when they are caused by people who ride in the same boat. There are those saints out there who will sink the ship. They cause problems because of the wrong decisions they make. Fair havens was not the most comfortable place to spend the winter months. And, and a fair wind at the time of sailing made it look like they could quite easily get to the port of Phoenix. Paul abonished them to stay in fair havens because sailing was dangerous at this time of the year. But they listened to the majority rather than the men of God. <coughs> no one thinks, excuse me, no one thinks their storm is going to be as bad enough to shipwreck them. They stop resisting and the end up way off course. If only they could have seen that their 50-mile journey around an island would take them 600 miles off course across the Mediterranean Sea. They hoped to outrun the storm and eventually get back on course. But the moment they gave up, resisted the wind, they lost control. Very few storms simply blow over. So stay on course. Stay on course. Stand your ground. Sins, especially sins of the Spirit, will take you much farther than you ever intended to go. I remember Grandpa. That was one of his favorite songs. Sin, sins will take you farther than you want, ever wanted to go. See, they concentrate on surviving instead of progressing towards God. They used ropes and they chains to wrap around the ship to keep it together. They used to tie the rope off and sailors would jump under the ship or over the, the, the one side and swim, dragging this rope all the way underneath the ship, come up on the other side. And then they would t t uh, tether it, uh, tie it tight underneath the ship, uh, all the way down the ship, trying to reinforce the beams and plug the leaks. They pulled in the sails and just concentrated on survival. Enter, entering the survival mode. How many of you have done that out there? Just kind of tucked everything in and entered the survival mode. Many people are doing that in today's world, here in 2023. Entering survival mode may make us feel like, like we are still accomplishing something, but it only prolongs the inevitable. They throw, throw out necessities in a vain effort to make things better. They cast out even the, the, the tackling of the ship, things they needed. Many people think that as long as they are religious, that they will be saved. But we can't save ourselves from the storms of life. We can't save ourselves from every storm in, the, in our lives. God doesn't expect you to throw out your personality, uh, personality to please him. And he doesn't want you to demand that that uh, of everyone else around you. 
He wants all of you. Listen to me. He wants all of you. Christianity is more than just gritting your teeth in joyous, joyless existence. Many people in the church today have lost their hope and simply fall apart and fall away from the church. Once people lose their hope, my definition, their desire with expectation of fulfillment, they just end up going there through the motion of religion. They no longer really believe that God will do it. But it was in the midst of the failure, in the midst of their failure, that Paul stood with a message of hope. He said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosened uh, from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Listen to the words of Paul. Now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of anyone's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. I see people, you know I'm a crisis counselor, I see people all the time, homeless, with smiles on their face and love of God in their heart. They may have lost their home, but they're healthy. And they're moving forward with Jesus in their heart. Don't get offended by at a preacher who tells you that you you made the wrong decision or or that you are way off course. The only reason you you're offended is that you know that he's speaking the truth. We all make mistakes. We all get off course. We all do. The storm wasn't over, but for Paul, the storm was as good as over because he had heard from God. Hallelujah. There might still be damage to the ship, but his life was saved. Praise God. And this is this is not the typical happy ending story. In fact, the worst is yet to come. That's why many people never survive the storm. They, ex they expect the sun to shine immediately, but instead the waves swept even higher. And the winds intensify. And when the ship hit the rocks, Paul had to jump in the cold, stormy waters and swim for his life. But he still had hold of God's promise that no person would lose their life. And while the sailors mocked and sails ripped off and the boat fell apart around him, Paul placed the deck and encouraged the crew. He said, I believe in God. He said no one would lose their life. He even believed God while swimming for his very life. Can you believe that even though we're going through these trying times in 2023, when you go into Walmart or the store and the, and the shelves are empty, that we still, God still loves us and that we are going to be okay? Say it, Wendy. We're going to be okay because we are the children of God. We are the children of God. Amen. Say it with me. We are the children of God. Paul said, I have learned. In whatsoever state that I may be in, therewith to be content in Philippians 4 and 11. It didn't matter what happened to him. Once he had heard from God, God took this, the, the sting out of the storm. And that's what he's going to do for you. I don't care what condition you are when you're listening to the sound of my voice right now. God is going to take the sting out of your problems right now. When a local church hears from God, they may still go through rough waters, but the promise of God is still true. Don't let others shipwreck your dream. Gospel of Faith Church was down to two or three people 
<coughs> and I praise the Lord. I've heard from a young lady and her family that have, have entered Gospel of Faith Church on fire for God. Going to start a new Sunday school there. Bringing donuts and coffee and having a glorious time for Jesus. We need principle 13. And principle 13 comes from Acts 28 verse 20. Would you turn your Bibles to Acts 28 verse 20? I'll get a drink. Glory to God, I feel the Spirit today. Principle 13, witnessing through weakness. In Acts, Acts 28, verse 20. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. Colossians 4 and 18. Colossians 4, 18. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul. Remember my bonds. Grace be with you. Amen. Rome was the greatest city Paul had ever seen. With more than a million citizens and about a million slaves living on its seven hills, he was placed again under house arrest, constantly chained to, to a soldier. <coughs> but able to receive friends, write letters, and even preach. Once again, he shared the truth about Jesus Christ with the Jews first. But when most of them refused to him, he turned to the Gentiles. <coughs> Forgive me. For two years, he had to pay for his own lodging, even though he was confined and waiting for his trial. Luke's book of Acts ends here, since it was written as evidence for his upcoming trial before Caesar. You might think that Paul's constant imprisonment was a depressing thing for him. It certainly could have been. <clears throat> to the human spirit, there is nothing worse than to be in chains. And yet, when we get right down to it, everyone has change of some kind. Chains alter your perception on how powerful, intellect, and intelligent, and good you can be. They make you feel helpless, dependent, conscious of your weakness. Yes, we don't have chains. We don't have that chain and ball around our, our leg, or do we? Could it be the bills that we have to pay? So much responsibility. In the first episode, Paul inter introduced himself as Paul, an apostle. Not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, Galatians 1 and 1. After some suffering, he became the least of the apostles. That am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9. After more suffering, he felt that he was less 
than the least of all saints that I should preach among the Gentiles an unsearchable riches of Christ Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8 after two years in chains in Rome Paul finally realized that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom he said he was the chief in 1st Timothy chapter 1 verse 15 however it is common misconception that chains prevent growth and affect effective work that the slightest difficulty in circumstances or drop in privileges is reason enough to simply quit Paul proved from his experience that this is simply not true that for a while he was he was imprisoned in Rome he produced some of his best epistles he preached and he prayed and he witnessed and he worshiped while chained to an unbelievable Roman guard talk about opposition for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content I want to read that again to each and every one of you out there no matter where you're listening to the sound of my voice in those 31 countries or providences for I have learned in Philippians 4:11 for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content hallelujah praise God Jesus Christ will reach you no matter where you are on whatever plane you may be and I'm not talking about an airplane no matter where you are in your life in your struggles Christ will reach you I have to wonder which one of Paul's guards inspired his writings which began put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil Ephesians 6 and 11 or which one first heard the scripture now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh within us unto him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end Ephesians 3 20 and 21 you see all of his guards were affected and many of them became believers are you listening all of his guards were affected and many of them became believers even though the one who was witnessed to them was in chains glory to God Paul described himself in one place <coughs> as an ambassador in bonds Ephesians 6 and 20 but that description could apply to most of God's servants right amen I mean it's a sign of the time many of us are living as bondsmen many of us are living that way because of our circumstances and we witness to the lost about their salvation we all have chains of some kinds whether they be bonds of physical affliction shackles of circumstances <coughs> or the fetters of fiery trials and tribulations excuse me for a moment Now the question 
the question that we must ask, <clears throat> will we still continue to work for God even when we don't understand those chains or why they're why they're binding us? What is holding you back? What chain is holding you back from witnessing to your neighbors, to your family, to your friends, to those strangers around you? When you see a stranger in trouble, going through a, a, a fiery furnace, when you see a stranger who's on a shipwreck of life, what chain is preventing you from throwing them a lifeline? Paul described himself in one place as an ambassador in bonds. Is that you? He said, remember my chains. Paul won Onesimus to the Lord while he was bound in Philemon 10. His brethren developed boldness because of his prison term. Waxing confident by my bonds, he said, and spoke the word without fear in Philippians 1 and 14. This happened. Because Paul remembered that even while he was in bond. The word of God is not bound. Second Timothy chapter two, verse nine. Simon, Peter and Paul were put on trial by the emperor Nero, along with many other Christians who were blamed for the great fire of Rome in 64 AD. After the trial, they were confined to prison together until finally being executed on the same day. Peter was nailed to a cross as a public spectacle at Nero's circus, head downward at his own request, since <coughs> he did not feel worthy to die like his Lord. As a Roman citizen, Paul was beheaded in a less public place. In Romans 8 and 18, remember my chains. Perhaps all Paul could think about as he was being led to the, his execution was a single scripture he had written much earlier. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Romans 8 and 18. Remember my chains. Any chains we must bear for Christ. Pale, pale in comparison to the weight of the change of sin he has delivered from us. Remember my chains. Will you work for God? Will you work for God in spite of your chains? Paul did. Let us today determine to witness through our weakness. If you have never, if you have never known Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I want to invite you today 
to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord by saying this simple prayer. Father, it is written in your word that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that you have raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Now say this with me. Today, Father, I confess that Jesus is my Lord. Say it with me. I confess that Jesus is my Lord. I make him Lord of my life right now. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. And I renounce my past life. That life was Satan. And close the door on all my sin. I thank you, Lord God, for forgiving me of all my sins. I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I believe I am a new creation and all things shall pass away and I shall become all new in Jesus Christ. I accept the salvation that only you can offer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. If you said that prayer with us, I invite you to seek out a Bible-believing church and ask them to baptize you for the remission of your sin in Jesus' name. And then stick around and see, if, make sure they're a Bible-believing church. And if you feel comfortable there, then beginning to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ and their Bible studies and their various activities that they may have. We thank you for listening today. You've been listening to Spiritual Awareness with Pastor Davenport. Or you can reach us at our email, spiritualawareness777 at gmail.com. Send us an email. Let us know how you like our broadcast. If you're in the Ashfork area, Ashfork, Arizona area, stop by. A lot of new stuff happening there. With that, may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Till he brings us back again. Amen and amen. God bless you.